Well, this morning, I'd like to talk to you about something called a legacy. Is that a big word? How many of you kids, 10 and under, could tell me what the word legacy means? I'm not 10 and under. I put my hand down. That's a big word. You never heard it, have you? No. Well, legacy is something you leave behind when you die. And it's not always your money or your house or your cars or your things. Many times it has to do with the influence, that is, the, the things that you did that helped other people, that encouraged other people, that strengthened other people. And when you're gone, will you be remembered as a kind person? Will you be remembered as one who loved God? Will you be remembered as one who was cruel and mean, was always grumpy and bitter and sulky? What kind of legacy would you leave behind when you die? And what kind of a difference have you left in this world? Now, this is something that people start to think about when they're 50, 60, 70, and sometimes never. But you know, I think it's actually a good plan to start thinking about it way down here. When you're just a little person, because you're not guaranteed 70 years or 80 years or 90 years. Did you know that little children have made a difference in the world and have left a legacy? We read about children in the Bible who leave legacies because they did what was right. And so it's important for us to look at life as something very important and to think about what will we leave behind when we are gone? How will we be remembered when we are gone? Well, this is an important question. Can I have my screen up here? You guys remember one of the first kings of Israel, right? Jeroboam. Now, does anybody know Jeroboam's legacy? Anyone here can tell me Jeroboam's legacy? Okay, Christopher knows, Lincoln knows, Brother Ray knows, Brother Virgil knows. That's good, good, good. Okay, what was his legacy, Elijah? He, you didn't raise your hand, that's why I'm calling on you. What was Jeroboam, the son of Nebat's legacy? What was his legacy? Hannah? His idol, his golden calves, that's right. This is how it's described in the Bible. Jeroboam's legacy. He's, whenever he's referred to, he's got to be distinguished throughout the Bible. You know why? Because later on in history, there's another Jeroboam. You thought kings were confusing enough. Well, we've got this Jeroboam, and then as time goes by, we have another Jeroboam. So we have to distinguish between the two of them. You know how this guy is distinguished? He is described as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Over and over you'll read about Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. So sad. Do you remember when Ahijah 
came to Jeroboam, took that brand new garment that he had, and he ripped it into 12 pieces and gave 10 of them to Jeroboam and said, the kingdom will be rent out of, of the house of David, and I'll leave him too, but I'm going to give the other 10 to you. Remember, remember that? And, and then God said that he would establish for Jeroboam a dynasty like unto David's, a house like David's that would last forever if he would walk in his statutes and in his ways. But did Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, walk in God's statutes and God's ways, even though God had given to him 10 of the 12 tribes? Yes or no? No. Instead, afraid that people would go worship God in Jerusalem and then somehow transfer their loyalties to King Rehoboam, he set up the golden calves, these idols, so that people would have a different place, a more convenient place to worship Jehovah. That's what he named these gods, Jehovah. The very name for God. Well, the same prophet who had given him the sign of the kingdom and giving him this garment, the ten pieces of this garment, came to him after this and told him that he would be judged, and that he would be cursed, and that his house would be destroyed. His house is talking about his dynasty, his family. It was prophesied that those who would die in the city, the dogs would eat. And those who would die in the field, the birds would eat. And that the entire house would be carried away and shoveled out like you would shovel manure out of a barn. That was the prophecy of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Well, let's look at our timeline. We see Saul, he had a similar issue, garment ripped, symbolizing the same kind of thing. We have David, King Solomon, then the kingdom divided, Jeroboam up there in the north, Rehoboam in the south. Rehoboam's dead, Abijam is dead. But Asa becomes king. You guys remember Asa, right? He's over here. Asa was a good king. Come, Asa, can you come? Asa, he, he was a good king for the most part. In fact, it says, even though he, he was rebuked twice um, for, for his sin, it still states that he was perfect before the Lord all his days. We have King Asa. And here's his crown. This is the crown of David, the crown of Judah, the Lion of Judah. We have King Asa. Now, we learned about King Asa last week, didn't we? His whole reign. So you can just go on and sit down over there, because if you look here up here at the timeline, you see King Asa, he reigns all this time. So here, here he is, but we're not really going to talk very much about King Asa today, because we covered him last week. We're going to now jump up and cover what's going on up there in the north, beginning with Jeroboam the first, Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin his death. He died. He died. So take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 15. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse oh, 14, chapter 14 we'll start off in, but then jump in right into 15. It tells us in chapter 14, verse 19, that the rest of the acts of Jeroboam 
and how he warred and how he reigned, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So I need Jeroboam to come on up here. Where's Jeroboam? Here's Jeroboam. Here he is. Now this crown, if you're wondering how to keep these guys straight, this is the plan. This crown is going to represent Israel, and that crown is going to represent Judah. All right? You can keep that straight. So here we go. Did I scare Charlie away this week? I must have. I don't see Charlie. Is he hiding somewhere here? He's not here. I must have. We killed him off last week, didn't we? Well, we need to find a new, a new, a new Nadab. See, that's what's up there. We got Jeroboam the first, and then Nadab. Who wants, who wants to play Nadab? You want to come on up here? You can play Nadab. I'm going to warn you, not very nice, not very pleasant. But hey, I want you to help me out here. For it tells us here that Jeroboam reigned, and the days which Jeroboam reigned were 220 years, and he slept with his fathers. You know what it means that he slept with his fathers? It means he died. Jeroboam, he died. And Nadab, his son, reigned in his stead. You want to be Nadab? Okay. Jeroboam, you're dead. See you later. Oh, there we go. You still got them glasses? Let's see. Let's see if we can tighten this up. Yeah, we can tighten this up. It's okay if we mess up your hair a little bit, right? Yeah, there we go. Just don't lose your glasses. Got them there? All right. So here we have Nadab. And Nadab, it says, reigned in his stead. So you see up here on the timeline? You're right here. But you don't reign very long, do you? Well, let's look here. Let's look at our Bibles and learn about Nadab. Look with me over. I'm sorry, I'm trying to go back and forth between um, my, my Bible and my harmony. And my harmony, I oftentimes rearrange things in to try to put it in chronological order. And then it causes me to lose track of it. Um, so let's look here at 1 Kings 15, verse 25 and following. See, we got to skip ahead over some of the history we learned about last week. And I need another helper. I had somebody helping me for this last week. Who helped me be Baasha last week? Who was Baasha? Somebody doesn't want to volunteer for it, was it? Was it Jared? I think it was Jared, yeah. He's not here? Okay, we need a substitute. You, can, you raise your hand early. You want to be the substitute? Oh, <laughs> I just saw a hand raise. Here we have Ella. He's up there, king of Israel. You want to go stand up there? Stand right up there. And now we need Baasha. Yeah, 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 you're the wrong guy. Sorry, you're Nadab. What happened to your sign? Did some, I'm missing signs. I had them all laid out here. Well, we're going to have to figure this out. Yeah, you're Nadab. He's Baasha. He doesn't have a sign. Here we have Baasha. All right. Now, Baasha is actually a servant to this guy. He's from Issachar. 
Now, remember I told you there's a prophecy about Nadab. Look here in your Bibles in 1 Kings 15, verse 25. It says, And Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. And he, here's his legacy. Remember we were talking about legacy? He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. That's sad. He too, Nadab, he, he didn't learn from his father's mistakes. Instead, he, he continued in them. And he continued in them. Well, what about Baasha over here? Well, it tells us that Baasha, the son of Ahijah, of the house of Issachar. What do you think that means, house of Issachar? Hope, what's that mean, that he was of the house of Issachar? Do you know? Do you know who Issachar is? Oh, we need to learn this then. You see these, these banners around the room? Well, who can tell me? Does one of them say Issachar? Ah, I think it's that one back there hiding. Is that correct? Does that one back there say Issachar? Yeah, can you run that up here? Here we've got Issachar. See, this is one of the tribes of Israel. So Asa over here, he's of the tribe of Judah. Jeroboam is the tribe of Ephraim. Now, these are not different kingdoms. These are not different kingdoms. They're different tribes within the same kingdom, the nation of Israel. Well, Baasha, he conspires against you. Do you know what it means to conspire? No. Well, it means that he makes secret plans to cause you trouble. Does that sound good? No. Yeah, no. No. It's not good. It's not good. For it says that Baasha, the son of Ahijah, of the house of Issachar, conspired against him. And Baasha, who, by the way, you know what his name means? What do you think your name means? What's your name? Yeah, okay, but what's your real name today? Timothy, do you know what your name means? You're slipping, you're slipping. I think Timothy means honors God. Honors God, okay? So his real name, Timothy, means honors God. That's a good name to name your kid, right? Well, do you know what name Baasha means? To stink. <laughs> I don't know who would name their kid that. Or if this was a name that he just learned and inherited as a legacy. Maybe this is the name he just got as time went by. To stink. But it doesn't mean just stink like this. It carries moral character, like to stink as a wicked person, a wicked one. Baasha, not a very nice name. Well, Baasha, he conspires against him, and you know what he did? He smote you. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean just that he hit you and punched you. It means he killed you. You're dead. So here now, Nadab 
is dead. And Baasha, he smote him in Gibeathan, which belongeth to the Philistines, for Nadab and all Israel had laid siege there. Now, this is interesting. What's going on here is that there was actually a battle taking place against the Philistines in a Philistine city that actually belonged to Israel, but the Philistines had taken it back. And Israel was trying to take it back. And in the midst of this siege, Baasha assassinates the king. And he makes himself king. It tells us, even in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, did Baasha slay him and reigned in his stead. So he now is the new king. Thank you, Nadab. You're gone. And now we have Baasha's king. You think Baasha's any better? <sighs> he reigned in Nadab's stead. And it came to pass when he reigned that he smote all the house of Jeroboam. He left not to the house of Jeroboam any that breathed until he had destroyed him according unto the saying of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Ahijah the Shalonite. Just as God had prophesied is now come to pass. The kingdom given to Jeroboam now has been ripped from him. And his entire family has died just as God predicted to be eaten by the birds and the dogs of the air and to be carried out as dung from the barn. But you know what's interesting about this? In doing so, Baasha, you did wickedly. You say, wait a minute. God said this was going to happen. How could he be held responsible for doing this if that's what God said would happen? That's the point. God said it would happen. God didn't do it. He did it. God prophesied that it would happen. God predicted that it would happen. And it happened. And it was done unrighteously by him. And he was extreme in it, fulfilling the prophecy. He killed everyone that breathed. He didn't care if it was Baash, if he didn't care if it was Jeroboam's sons or his daughters or anyone. He killed them all. Giving no regard for how old they were either. He killed them all. Jeroboam doesn't have the great of a legacy. Nadab doesn't have that great of a legacy. Baasha doesn't have that great of a legacy. So let's continue on reading here. It says that this judgment did come. Look at verse 30. Because of the sins of Jeroboam which he had sinned, and which he had made Israel to sin by his provocation, wherewith he provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? And there was war between Asa and Baasha all their days. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, began Baasha, the son of Ahijah, to reign over all Israel in Tirzah, 
twenty and four years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. The legacy continues in Baasha. You know, sometimes a legacy in wickedness continues, but you know, sometimes a new legacy can be created in righteousness and doing what is good. But not with this kingdom, at least not so far. So what happens now? I'd like to remind you of a man we met last week. Do you guys remember Hanani from 1 Chronicles chapter 16? You guys remember him? Did you all already forget him? Hey, Philip. 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 Come here. Do you remember the prophet Hanani? Do you remember the prophet Hanani? You do? What happened to him? I don't know. You don't know? He got thrown in prison, didn't he? Why? Somebody tell Philip why he got thrown in prison. Well, you remember, there was a battle between Asa and Baasha. Baasha, he was building his Berlin Wall, you know, to keep people from going down to Judah and people from Judah coming up to Israel. And, uh, and it was in Ramah, so it was the Ramah Wall, not the Berlin Wall. And uh, he was building this city fortress to keep this from happening. Asa got scared, and instead of praying and seeking the Lord in the midst of this, he takes all the gold and silver and treasures of the house of the Lord and of his own house, and he sends it up north to Syria to King Ben-Hadad, and hires Ben-Hadad to come and attack the northern cities of Israel, Baasha, so that Baasha has to neglect and abandon his Berlin Wall project in Ramah and go running up north to to drive away Ben-Hadad. Well, God sent Hanani to Asa to rebuke him, to say to Asa, why did you not trust in the Lord? You could have trusted in the Lord. God would have delivered Baasha into your hand and Ben-Hadad. And that's a big deal because we forget about this little piece of history. Later on, as we see the thorn in the flesh that Syria was to Israel and Judah, it could have all been dealt with if Asa had sought the Lord instead of making league with Ben-Hadad. So what does Asa do? He took Hanani, and he was furious with him. He was angry with him, and he threw him in prison. Now, Philip, how would you like it if your dad got thrown in prison for doing something right? Would you like that? No. Would you like it if your dad never came home? That would be sad. It would be hard. But he did right. He did that was was right. He obeyed God, and he went to King Asa, and he told Asa what he had done was wrong. Asa got mad with him and threw him in prison. And you know what? That's the last we ever hear of Hanani. A prophet forgotten in prison. It's important that we not forget him because here we have a legacy. We've learned about these other legacies. They're terrible. These guys are remembered for horrible things, but not Hanani. Let's not forget Hanani, because Hananiah did what was right, and he can't be forgotten. 
he obeyed God. Now, I wonder what this impact had in his family. What kind of impact do you think it has having Hananiah, daddy, in prison? Perhaps for the rest of his life, we don't know. Would you think it was terrible if this was a real jail and we left him in here for the rest of his life and you never saw your daddy again? That would be awful. You would hate that, wouldn't you? Would your mommy like it if daddy never came home again? No, she wouldn't. Yes, that answered everything, huh? No, she wouldn't like that. Nobody would like that. Now, kids, listen up. We live in a world today where we really don't have to be afraid of being thrown in prison for doing right, do we? Well, we never, people anywhere in the world don't have to be afraid of it. But it just doesn't even happen for the most part in this place, in this time. It does happen in places around the world. What would you do if your daddy got thrown in jail for doing right? Would you want to follow his legacy? Would you want to be a prophet like daddy? Would you? I mean, the prophet comes to a good king, a king that did right in the eyes of the Lord for the most part, and he gets thrown in prison for delivering a message from God. Would you want to be a prophet like daddy? You know what? Hannah and I had a son. And do you know what his name was? Jehu. And Jehu was a prophet. And God asked Jehu not to go to King Asa, but to go to this murderous king with a message that was a whole lot harder than the message it was going to Asa. Now, what do you think you would do as the son of Hanani? Uh, no thanks, God. My dad went to Asa and got thrown in jail. Not a chance am I going to Baasha. That's not what Baasha, or that's not what Jehu said. Jehu obeyed God. Jehu obeyed God, and he went to, to Baasha. Notice here, this is where harmony is helpful. Um, between chapters 15 and 16, you need to write a little note. Or write it next to Hanani. Write a little note next to Hanani in chapter 16, verse 1, referencing 2 Chronicles 16, 7 to 10. Because you may not remember who Hanani is. You may just think, oh, well, this is Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. We know nothing about Nebat other than the fact that he had a son named Jeroboam. But this is different. We have Jehu, the son of Hanani, and we know about Hanani. But it's not right here in 1 Kings. We have to go over to 2 Chronicles to learn about him. So here we have Jehu, the son of Hanani. He comes to Baasha. So your dad's in prison for telling the truth to Asa. You now come to Baasha and you say to him, for as much, this message from the Lord, for as much as I exalted thee out of the dust and made thee prince over my people Israel, and thou hast walked in the way of Jeroboam, and hast made my people Israel to sin, to provoke me to anger with their sins, 
Behold, I will take away the posterity of Baasha and the posterity of his house and will make thy house like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Him that dieth of Baasha in the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. Now, how do you think Baasha responded to this prophecy? We don't know. Because it tells us in verse 5, now the rest of the acts of Baasha and what he did in his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Baasha slept with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah, and Ella, his son, reigned in his stead. He dies. Well, how does he die? Well, thank you, Philip. You can go sit down. Should we let Hananiah out of prison? I don't know. I think, we don't know what happened to him. When the record ends, he's in prison, so we're just going to leave him over there. Sorry, Hananiah. Did you hear the prophecy now against Baasha? Baasha, the one who fulfilled the prophecy against Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, receives the same prophecy. Those who die in the city where the dogs eat, those who die in the field where the birds eat. What happens? Well, Baasha's king. And um, here we just read about him dying. But what happened and how did that happen? Well, we need to read and we learn about it. For it tells us here that Baasha slept with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah, and Ella his son reigned in his stead. And also, by the hand of the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, came the word of the Lord against Baasha and against his house, even for all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord in provoking him to anger with the work of his hands and being like the house of Jeroboam and because he killed him. So here now, he is being judged because he's behaving himself just like the house of Jeroboam, and don't forget that last phrase, and because he killed him, that is the house of Jeroboam. You're dead. Now, who's your son? Where's Ella or Elah? Pick one out. Is it that guy or that guy? Now, I'm saving him for another one later. Thanks for the nomination. Come on, Christopher. You're dead. And now we have Allah. The king now of Israel. Notice Asa, he's over there still king. Now I need a few more helpers. I need some generals. Yeah, basically I need some generals. Oh, you already played today. Maybe next week. Who wants to be some of my generals? No volunteers? Really? No volunteers? I need three of them. Now, you're available. Now, I, I have a question while we're talking about people here. Who wants to be Ahab next week and in the following weeks? Now, I, I really do. I need someone who is dedicated to play his part. And, and he has a wife named Jezebel and dedicated to play Jezebel. So I'm, I'm wondering, do we have a husband and a wife team that want to play this? Joel and Anna. Anna, are you here the next few weeks? Now she won't be. 
Or a brother and sister want to play these two? I have some ideas. Zachary and Brianna want to play it. Oh, they could do it up well. Okay, Ahab, you want to come on up here and you get to pick who your dad is. You going to pick your real dad? Okay. So here we've got some guys. We've got Ahab here, and we've got Omri there. Here, Mr. Omri, you're a captain. Now, I need another guy. I need two more. Who's, who wants to play Zimri? Who wants to play Zimri? All right. And who wants to play Timni? Micaiah, you want to play Timni? You don't have to worry. It's not that hard. It's an easy, easy roll. It's an easy roll. People cheer for you. Come on, come on. Hurry, hurry. See, I got all these guys. If you guys, you, you guys are there. But Micaiah, you want to stand up on the stage so everybody can see you and not lose track of who you are? Okay. Who's the king? Ella is the king. So who are all these other guys? Well, let's learn about some things here. For it tells us here that in verse 8, 1 Kings 16, 8, in the 26th year of Asa, so we're still in his reign, 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ella the son of Baasha to reign over Jerusalem. Two years. And he has a servant named Zimri. Now who is Zimri? Zimri is the captain of half his chariots. That's like the elite of the elite. That's like, you know, the Navy SEALs. And you're, you're captain over half of them. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty important. Well, Zimri, he conspired against him as he was in Tirzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Azariah, his steward of the house of Tirzah. So you are hanging out, getting drunk, drinking and partying and getting himself drunk. Not a very good king. Mm -mm. So Zimri conspires against him. That means he makes a plan. And it tells us that Zimri went in and smote him and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his stead. Take him out. Take his crown. That's what happened. Yes, Zimri went in, smote him, and killed him, and this was in that year. And it came to pass, when he began to reign, as soon as he sat upon his throne, he'll pick a throne, sit on the throne of Israel. Yes, you know what he does? He slew all the house of Baasha. He left not one to Pacific against the wall, neither of his kinsfolk nor of his friends. Do your ears tingle? He fulfills the prophecy that Jehu gave to Baasha. In all of his family, he kills his kinsfolk, his aunts, his uncles, everybody. Dead. Thus Zimri destroyed all the houses of Baasha according to the word of the Lord which he spake against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. And all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Allah, his son, by which they sinned, and by which they made Israel to sin, in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. There's their legacy. What a legacy. Terrible, terrible legacy. Nothing like Hannah and I. Terrible legacy here. Now the rest of the acts of Allah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? 
And it tells us that in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, did Zimri reign. He reigned an incredibly long reign of seven days. Seven days he reigned. And um, you now know a little bit ahead of the story, right? And um, it tells us here that he reigned seven days. And um, meanwhile, the people were encamped against Gibeathon, which, by the way, is the same city they were encamped against back when Baasha murdered Nadab. That, that's still going on. And it's, what, two years later now? And, and over there, we've got Omri, who is the captain, who's the general. And news spreads that Zimri had conspired and slain the king. Wherefore, Israel, they all make Omri, the captain of the host, king of Israel that day in the camp. So they hear that this guy is dead, and so everybody says, you're our king. Well, what about him? Well, so you, who are fighting the same battle that's been dragging on for years, this, this besiege, you leave and you go besiege the royal city of your own kingdom. Tirzah, famous for its beauty. It was a royal summer retreat in the days of Solomon. Well, so he comes and he besieges your city. Well, it's not really Zimri's city. The royal city of Tirzah. And it came to pass when Zimri, when, when, when he saw what was taking place and that the city was taken, that he went into the palace of the king's house. Get out of here. Goes in, he goes into the palace of the king's house. And you know what he does when he goes back there? He goes back into the palace of the king's house and he burns the king's house over him with fire and he died. Now, Zach, don't burn the house down. But that's what Zimri did. Zimri went into the royal palace and he just lit it on fire and just sat down and let him burn himself alive. What a legacy. He self murdered, he committed suicide out of fear of what Omri might do to him. One of his own relative, or not relative, well, yeah, relative, but of his own nation. Now, it tells us that he died. And now look at verse 19. You would think that a guy who reigned seven days doesn't have much of a legacy, right? Not much of a legacy. Seven days. How, how, how can you have a legacy in seven days? Remember this, kids. How can you have a legacy when you're little, little. Zimri established a legacy. Now, granted, he was also captain of half the chariots for some time before, but he established a legacy in seven days. Read about it in verse 19. For his sins which he sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he did to make Israel to sin. Now, the rest of the acts of Zimri... And his treason that he wrought, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Records that we don't have today. This is all we know about Zimri. And so then 
were the people of Israel divided into two parts. So there's a problem. You guys over here, you're for Omri. Cheer for your king. That's pretty lame. Let's see how these people do. You guys decide you're going to make this guy king. So cheer for your king. Ooh. You know what? Historically, that's backwards. So try again. Oh, good. Good, yeah. So half the people are for Omri as their king, and half the people are for Timni as their king. The nation up here of Israel is divided. Here we are in our timeline. You see, we have Zimri, just one little line right there. We have Timni, the little gray, and Omri. And you can tell from the timeline who won. Sorry, Micaiah, you die. Timni dies. Timni dies. And the people followed after Omri and prevailed against the people that followed Timni. Sorry, y'all. Prevailed against you, the son of Gimeon. So Timni died and Omri reigned. And he, in the 30 and first year of King Asa, King Asa down in Judah, is still there. And he reigns 12 years, 6 years reigned he in Tirzah. Now, we're out of time here, but it tells us here that he reigned six years in Tirzah, and then he ends up, you know, Tirzah's burned down. He ends up going and buying that hill right there, and he builds a new royal capital named Samaria, that hill right up there. He builds a new city on this hill, a new royal city, and this now continues to be the royal city throughout the rest of the northern kingdom. Samaria. This is when the capital transfers to Samaria. Here we can see the different dynasties. Jeroboam's dynasty was at Shechem and then transitioned up to Tirzah with Baasha and a little before Baasha. It was kind of a dual um, royal capital, kind of transitioned between them. And now Omri makes Shechem and Shechem continues as, as the capital there in Samaria. And it tells us the history we're out of time. You'll have to read it on your own there about how he bought it and then why he names it what he names it. But look what it tells us here in verse 25. Omri's legacy. Ah, we're going to get a good king, right? We've had so many bad kings. Bad kings, bad kings, bad kings. You're going to break the legacy, right? But Omri, verse 25, wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse. What a legacy. Worse than all that were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Omri, which he did, and his might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Ta-da! That's it. Oh yeah, you do marry Ahab to an idolatrous woman named Jezebel. Is that it? Really, that's about all. Most people don't know about Omri. You know, up there on that timeline, we see Omri. And, and most people don't really, you know, he gets overlooked. I mean, what's so exciting about Omri's life? I mean, there's, nothing, there's no details, there's no story, there's no narrative, just Omri. Did he have a legacy? Well, we have a summary of his legacy, right? He did evil, more than all that were before him. It, he, he built Samaria. That's a, that's, a, that's a good legacy, right? He also established statutes and laws in the nation of Israel. How do I know that? 
Look at our timeline. We have Omri here. See him up there? The green, Omri. Let's move forward in history. Forward in history. You see, the kingdom of Israel falls in 722 B.C. And down here you see this prophet Micah. You see Micah? Micah the prophet. Micah the prophet, who, by the way, was prophet on through this time of the captivity because it tells us that he was prophet during Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. He makes a prophecy. So in your Bibles, next to Omri's legacy, write down this reference, Micah 6.16. Let's look in verse 13. Israel is a wicked nation, and God pronounces judgment upon them, and judgment is warned against Israel, Judah. This is what his warning is. Therefore also, God says, will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate because of thy sins. Thou shalt eat, but shall not be satisfied. And thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee, and thou shalt take hold, but thou shalt not deliver. And that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. Your babies, that which you deliver, I will give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thine head with oil. And sweet wine, but thou shalt not drink wine. For, this is why, for, because, the statutes, those are the laws and the commandments of Omri are kept. Judgment is coming because of commandments and statues that Omri made and kept. And these people are now keeping them. And all the works of the house of Ahab. And ye walk in their consuls. Hundreds of years later, Israel is still following in the legacy of Omri and Ahab. And that's why God is going to judge them. For he says that I should make thee a desolation, and the inhabitants thereof an hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. Legacies. We've seen a lot of bad examples today, huh? So much so that when we turn to the next chapter, there's a righteous prophet who's like, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. And when we are tempted to think we're all alone, let's not forget the Hananias. What happened to him? Is he still in prison down in Judah during this time with Asa? Don't know. Possibly. Asa had a stubborn streak about him. Let's not forget the Hananias. Those are faithful. They left a legacy too for us. Let's follow in their steps and let's beware to break them. The legacies of wickedness and sin that are within our generations and within our nation. Even in America, we have statutes and laws or rulings of courts that have been laid down in law that we continue into this day. Wicked and ungodly legislation and rulings. Those legacies. We walk in them. We break the legacies. And it's not just about those things that are not really connected to us, but in our own families and our own lives. 
Are we breaking those legacies and yielding ourselves to our God and to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? And that no matter what happens, threat of prison, threat of death, no matter what, do we serve God? Legacies are important. Now, lest you think it's about, well, it's not about me getting praised, it's about God. It is. You're right. You can only leave a God-honoring legacy if it is Jesus living through you. But you've got to choose to yield to Jesus. You've got to choose to let Jesus build a legacy in you. So when people remember you, they see Jesus. Is Jesus your legacy? Will you be remembered as a follower of Jesus? Let's all follow Jesus. Lord Jesus, we want to be your disciples. We don't want to be remembered. We want you to be remembered. So live your life through us. And may each one of us be yielded and surrendered to you each and every day. We commit ourselves to you now and the rest of this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.